Welcome to EVPL Check It Out's episode of TBR, which for most people who know, stands for To Be Read. That's that endless pile of books that you keep meaning to get to. I have more books on my mental and physical TBR pile than I will ever read in a lifetime, and I just keep adding more. So today joining me is Katie Somerville. Am I saying that right? All right. She actually is one of the co-workers that I have at McCullough. She's a lot of fun. She's a colorful character, as you can see by her hair, which I actually really, really love. So she's agreed to join me. And we're going to just kind of go back and forth talking about the books that are coming into the library this month that have really caught our attention. Katie, before you say your first title, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with the library, anything you want to share. I have been with the library for 90 days now. I just had my 90 day oh, yeah. review a couple of days ago. It doesn't feel like I've been here that long, but it also feels like I've been here a lot longer than that. It does feel that way. It's one of those moments where, oh yeah, she hasn't always been here. <laughs> I felt like I fit in very quickly with the whole team. It's like everyone's got a great sense of humor that vibes with mine very yeah. well. Yeah, that makes for a nice, relaxing work environment. Right, rather than awkward of, oh, you don't have the same kind of dry humor that I have. So my <laughs> jokes are not awkward. coming across as jokes. My jokes are coming across as me being potentially mean. And that's yeah, not what yeah, I'm trying to do. Nope, nope, not the goal. <laughs> So we've both kind of put together titles that caught our attention. Why don't you go first? It was the most recent one that caught my attention was uh, Stone Blind. It's a retelling of Medusa's story. And I feel like that's kind of been a big resurgence right now is like a Greek mythology, like Circe. I read that recently. It was very good. Oh, really? I can't remember exactly what it's called, but the Achilles book. Song of Achilles. Yes, that's it. Song of Achilles. It's on my to-read list. Uh, I know that it's probably going to be emotionally damaging. So I'm not quite there yet. And I'm sure this is going to be very similar where it's probably going to have an emotionally damaging ending that I'm not really prepared prepared for, for. but it'll hit you hard. A good book is going to do that to you. So that was Stone Blind and it The main character is Medusa. Is Medusa, yeah. All right. So interestingly, I'm actually going to change the order of the books I was going to talk about because one of mine springs right off of that. And it is called The Shadow of Perseus by Claire Haywood. And it's a retelling, and I'm a big fan of retellings. Anybody who's listened to this show knows this. It's a retelling of the tale of Perseus through the eyes of the three main women in his life all throughout his life yes because this and not just that one encounter with medusas but she is one of the three women that's mentioned i would i would expect nothing yes i would i would hope so i mean that would feel like a big gap if you were going to retell that (laughs) story if you're going to try and tell his life story and (laughs) miss a big chunk of it Uh, you know we're going to skip that part everybody already knows in this book his mother danae is a coddled princess who basically gets banished because of the prophecy about the unborn child, which of course is Perseus. And then the second woman is his enemy, Medusa, who is a woman who, along with the other Gorgons, avoid all contact with the outside world until she stumbles upon an injured Perseus in the forest as a young boy. And then the third woman is his wife, Andromeda. According to the information that I read about this book, when you see it through the eyes of these women, he's not exactly the heroic character that he has been portrayed in the original tale. So I'd really be curious about that. But tell me more about Stone Blind if you have more. This is, I think it's more of a romance kind of okay. fantasy, but it was also presented in a way that 
she was an actual individual and not Mm -hmm. just a pawn in a story. Right. For him to just check this off of his list. Well, I feel like all of us have read a story or a book at some point where someone, even that's been presented in a good light in the book, will do or say something. And even though you know you're supposed to agree with it and like it, you're going, hold up. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. If he had said that to if, me. Yeah, if I had heard that. Yes, exactly. I don't think I would have reacted the same way that this character reacted. I, I probably would have been a lot angrier. I think there would have been some pushback, right. you know. And so it is interesting to see these familiar tales from the perspective of someone that has that hold up attitude, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I think it's called How to Be Eaten. It's about main characters from fairy tales in a support group. Gretel is a character that no one, not even her brother, believes her. So she's afraid that she's going crazy and doesn't actually remember anything. So she can't trust her memory. Then you have um, one of Bluebeard's wives that survived. Okay. She's kind of dealing with the haunted furniture that he took, that she took from his mansion. She's kind of dealing with survivor's guilt and Red Riding Hood. She's wearing the same fur coat that she hasn't washed in decades. So everyone's trying to get out of their past, but everyone only sees them as what was presented in the newspapers. They're all trying to find support within each other. Uh-huh. And then there's like a surprise ending. So oh, it's, only, yeah. it's fun. It's it's a pretty quick read. I think it's only like, it's less than 300 pages, okay. which for me is a pretty quick read. Not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, How to Be Eaten, I looked it up real quick, is written by Maria Adelman. Oh, it just came out last May. So yeah, that sounds really appealing. All right. Do you want to take the next one? The next one, it's kind of uh, geared toward... The younger audience, but the next one I found is uh, Nocturne. It's like a fantasy set in 1930s Chicago uh, about a girl who is orphaned. And so she decides to stay in a ballet house. And then she finds a man who wants to become her sponsor And I kind of feel like it can relate to um, Phantom of the Opera in Uh, a way where it's the more that this sponsor is trying to get himself involved in her life, the more she finds out maybe this isn't the kind of person or this kind of world that I really want to be involved in. Interesting. She just wants she her goal was to be a ballerina and it may not be the world that she thought it was. Yes. Everybody gets to see behind the curtain when they really start diving into their dreams. That's an interesting take. Um, ballet version of phantom of the opera that's what it that's what it reminded me of i was like oh i can see how this oh i'm gonna teach you how to sing oh i'm gonna make sure that you are able to continue your ballet journey to be this prima ballerina that you want to be right in the great depression so there's even more motivation to try and and you said that was set in set in uh chicago Chicago. in the 1930s i believe is when it said that sounds fascinating. So right right during the Great Depression. Right. I think she becomes an orphan like right before, right after okay. that hits. So it, she's more desperate exactly. and yet still needing to follow her dreams. Right. So it's even more of a pull. It's not, oh, well, right. I can kind of fall back on this if I need to. It's right. okay. Well, now I've kind of put all of my eggs in this basket. That sounds great. All right. So the next choice I made is called The Librarian of Burned Books by Brianna Labuskas. It's a historical fiction set in World War II, and it's about three women, Althea, Hannah, and Vivian. And they're in very different situations, but they all believe in the power of books to triumph over the very darkest moments of the war. And so Althea is a newly published author, and her book has received great reviews. And so she was invited by, I think it was Himmler, to Berlin 
And this is right around the time when the war is just starting to kind of warm mm-hmm. up. And she's invited to Berlin as a cultural exchange. And, and as one does on those situations, she's seeing the prettiest, glitziest, classiest side. Oh, yeah. You see, you see the grass is greener. Exactly. But then she meets someone who goes, hey, let me show you, as we said earlier, behind the curtain. And it really changes what she's seeing. She was getting the PR version in Berlin during that time. It would have been really easy for her to be unconsciously gaslit. You know, she has a very big shift in her mindset when she gets to see kind of both sides of that coin. And then the second woman is Hannah. Now, she has is someone who has escaped Berlin and has gone to Paris. And she has basically thrown herself into this project called the German Library of Burned Books. She's still struggling. She, even though she's in Paris and out of Berlin, she's, she's uh, dealing with anti-Semitism and a lot of other things that are going on. And so her mental focus, just to kind of get her head out of that, is this project as a native German speaker and a person who has seen firsthand what's going on there. This is her opus magnus, I guess you yeah. would say. And then the third woman is Vivian. Now, she is from America. And she has a husband who has gone to war. From him and from other soldiers, she's received all these letters because there are books that are made available to the soldiers as they're out there. You know, they need things to distract themselves and other things to think about. And so she, from her husband and from others, receives all these letters about how much the books that they are able to receive has meant to them and helped them. And during this time... This is where it's actually based, even though it's a historical fiction, it's based on a true story of the Council of Books in wartime had a core belief that books were weapons of war of ideas. And that makes me think of, I don't know if you watch Doctor Who, but there's this one point where they, him and his companion are, are facing this terrible enemy and she's like, we need weapons. He goes, we're in a library. Books are the best weapons in the world. <laughs> Please tell me that at some point in the scene, someone throws a book and hits someone in the head. It's been a while. I don't think that was his goal. <laughs> oh, well, I feel like that was a perfect comedic opportunity. It there. would have been. It would have been. I wouldn't have seen the doctor doing that, but no, one of the I side characters, absolutely. does not seem like his character. So anyway, these three women coming from different points of view. I'll kind of join in this. These are the things that change us and humanize us and Mm -hmm. ground us. And so anyway, I find The Librarian of Burnt Books by Brianna Labuskas. That sounds like something I'd definitely love to read. I also looked at one that was in World War II, codenamed Sapphire. It's uh, Hannah Martell escapes Nazi Germany after her fiance gets killed, but her ship bound to America is turned away. And so she goes to her cousin, Lily, who lives in Brussels. She's desperate to get out of occupied Europe, but doesn't really find a safe way. And so she kind of joins a group called the Sapphire Line, which is a resistance network led by a woman named Micheline and her enigmatic brother, Matteo. But her family, the cousin that she went to go visit in Brussels, is slated for deportation to Auschwitz. And so she is trying to kind of create an underground network to get her family to safety and kind of use that Sapphire Line group to try and protect that. My friends and I went to go visit one of my friends in D.C. recently, and we went to the 
Holocaust Museum mm. and seeing all of that stuff, including like pictures of just the piles of books that they burned. It was right, right. a completely different environment. I'm hearing us both picking uh, ones that are set in World War II and that situation. And it's kind of timely because the end of January, I want to say the 28th, was Holocaust Remembrance Day. And so these books, still exploring the, these ideas, the quote is overquoted and yet not when we say, you know, if you don't learn the lessons of history, you're going to repeat them. And it's just easy for people to say, oh, everybody knows. And I'm like, yeah, but that firsthand experience. Yeah is is not the same and even though you and I are far too young to experience it firsthand these written stories even though many of them are fictionalized are still embodying what actual people lived through right it doesn't stop it from continuing to happen despite how many people say that's oh, true. I understand this lesson but we're still seeing these exact same lessons including ones from World War II exactly today Yes. In fact, what was it? I heard another part of that quote. I think this is just an add-on that someone put on, but I feel like it was appropriate. It's like, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat its mistakes, and those who do learn from history are doomed to watch other people repeat those mistakes. Right. And I'm like, oh, darn. And it's it's kind of painful, but it's absolutely it is. true. I, I agree with that. I agree. And it is difficult. You know, people will go, well, it's not the same. You know, there's another quote I heard was, it doesn't repeat itself, but it sometimes rhymes. It's our version of a similar story. Yes, it's very different, and yet the core issues are not different. But technology has advanced, so exactly. there's always going to be more. We're not shooting each other with muskets. But we're often still shooting each other over the same types of issues. Exactly. And easier access to knowing where everyone is with social media. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting little (laughs) (laughs) rabbit hole it did. I'm going to go with my next one, which is, again, in keeping with this, only this one's nonfiction. And this is called The Diary Keepers by Nina Siegel. And it's actually a compiled selection of Dutch diaries kept during World War II. I think none of them are complete diaries, but they've taken selections of over 2,000 Dutch diaries and compiled them. And so these are firsthand accounts of what it was like to live as a person, as a Dutch citizen during the, probably before, but also during the occupation of their homeland when the Nazis came in. Do you know how it's um, divided? Is it divided like by diary or do they try and break it up like chronologically? I have not actually gotten my hands on a physical copy yet to describe it at all. I've always been drawn to um, books, whether fiction or nonfiction, that kind of had a journal style to them. It's always a lot more interesting, especially whenever you don't get all of the pieces to the story. Right. And you have to make it up in your own brain. Like, oh, this person didn't write for three days and they come back talking about some major life event that happened. Yes. Yes. And I just have to put together the pieces. It makes you think a little bit more. It does. It really does kind of make you dig in and put yourself in their situation. It was not intentional. You know, when I go through this list, each month when we get the new list of books that are coming in and different materials, I just go, what looks interesting to me? What looks interesting to me? I tried to try to have a bit of a spectrum, but mostly I'm just like, what looks interesting to me? And so it's interesting that there's so many, and maybe it is the timing of having the Holocaust Remembrance Day that these books are coming out and being published at this time. These were all ones that just really stood out to me. I am especially interested in that nonfiction, The Diary Keepers. 
All right, next. One that recently caught my eye was Cold People. It's like a dystopian sci-fi that aliens are coming to Earth and they give humanity a certain amount of time to get to Antarctica. Not only are we running into issues of food supply and everything just from that environment, right. we're also like dealing with an invading we're going to start hurting you all to this small area and you guys have to figure it out. It sounds like a less fun version of the movie Home. Did you ever see that one? It's a CGI movie. I don't think it was produced by Demi, uh, Disney. I think it was maybe DreamWorks. I don't remember who produced it, but it's actually a movie I really like. And in that case, these aliens invade and they make all of the humans move to Australia. I think Opposite. I would choose Australia over oh, Antarctica. <laughs> I will take I will take uh, spiders that can swallow me whole. <laughs> You've been watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what was the author's name of that book? Tom Rob Smith. The idea seems very interesting to me. I guess it's his first um, sci-fi. Have you read anything else by him before? I have not, no. Okay. This is not his normal genre. I'd be interested to right. see and how I, it compares with what his normal is. And I usually end up doing that a lot, too. It's like I'll find one book by an author that I had never heard of before, and then it's if I enjoy it, oh, well, now I have to read everything. Yes, written. yes, that's a problem I have as well. I, at this point, just try to get to all the authors I want to read, right. never mind all the books I want to read. And then when I find an author that I am reading for the first time and I really like them, I'm like... Oh, that just like quadrupled my pile. <laughs> the right. downside is also whenever you have an author who isn't necessarily your favorite writing style, but their storytelling is yes. really interesting. I feel like yes. those books, I know that I'm going to have a harder time getting through despite wanting to get through. Right. It's just my brain does not want to absorb the information the same way as books that I'm used to reading. Of course. Well, we have those things we gravitate toward. And yet it's kind of like, I don't want to be in a rut. But I also know what I like. And so it's like stretching, but also going back to those. Mm -hmm. I When I say comfort read, I don't necessarily mean comfortable read. Just the re the reads that we normally reach for. Right. All right. So the last one on my list. I used to say I'm not a fan of series because I tend to be reading all over the place. Right. And so I'm like, I don't want to have to read six books. I want to read this one and that one and the other thing. But lately, I have to say... I'm getting more into reading series. But recently, I have been getting into specific series that I really enjoy. I, I started the Louise Penny series, which I really like. And I started the Ruth Galloway series, which is Ruth Galloway's character. And the author's name is Ellie Griffiths. And I really enjoy that. I'm actually currently reading the next one to me in that series. Not unlike the TV show Bones, where she's an anthropologist, when they discover bones, although in this case it's not current bones, it's more like, oh, we're digging in an area and we've discovered this. She gets called in to help identify the age of the bones, a lot of mystery solving. She works in conjunction with the police as a okay. consulting expert. And she's definitely not your typical detective character at all. But the series that I'm actually going to mention is one I have not started yet, but it's a character I've recently been become aware of the series is the Hamish Macbeth series. The most recent book in this series, there's like 35 oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, is called death of a traitor. And the author's name is MC Beaton and Hamish Macbeth is a uh, police officer in a very small rural town in Scotland. 
And when I recently came across this, I actually found that there's a three-season TV series of that. And so I watched a few of the episodes. And I haven't read the books yet. Usually I hit the books first. But in this case, I just wanted to see what it was like. And if the books are as good as the show, even though the show is older, so it's a little bit dated, I really like the characters. And I really like the way it presents the different people and um, one of the things that's uh, interesting about Hamish Macbeth is he's very intelligent. He could really, really go far in the police force, but he wants to stay in a small town. So he plays any kind of, he plays down any kind of successes he has. Right. Cause because he's, he's, he was promoted to the city before and he did not like it. Yeah. And if you do too much, if you go yeah, too far over expectations, they want to put you in those like positions in the big exactly. city. And he was, you know, that he's described, at least in the, the thing that I looked at, as unambitious. And I don't think that's an accurate description. It's more like he knows what he wants. This is what he wants. So anyway, I'm, I really like this character in the TV show. So I would definitely give at least one of these books a try. And So did you have any other titles that you wanted to mention? I think the last one that I can mention is The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by uh, Roshani Chuksky. It's an adult debut, so this person hasn't written an adult book before, but it's supposed to be like a gothic house kind of thing where a man who believed in fairy tales marries a mysterious woman. I don't believe they even give this, this male character a name. He's just the man. And it's a dual point of view. Between the man and this woman that he married's childhood friend, Azure, or Azure, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, um, who was a childhood friend who suddenly disappeared. And so this uh, story is kind of about this woman and the house that she lives in from the perspective of her childhood friend before her disappearance and this husband. Okay. So trying to figure out like the mysteries of the house and how much of it is they're seeing versus what's actually happening Mm -hmm. and who is this woman and why is she like connected to this house so much so Mm. i thought that was a really interesting like mystery to solve so i'm going to throw in a bonus book and it wasn't actually on the list but it's still a very new book i just checked it out and i'm probably going to start it tonight it's called the girl who fell beneath the sea is by axie o And it says that deadly storms have ravaged Mina's homeland for generations. Floods sweep away entire villages while bloody wars are waged over the few remaining resources. So a little bit of uh, Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic. Her people believe the sea god, once their protector now, has cursed them with death and despair. In an attempt to appease him, each year a beautiful maiden is thrown into the sea to serve as the sea god's bride in the hopes that one day the true bride will be chosen and end the suffering. Many believe that Shim Chiong, the most beautiful girl in the village and beloved of Mina's older brother, Jun, may be the legendary true bride. And so I'm a fan, of course, of the spinoff fairy tales. I'm a fan of the legends and tales of other cultures. And so recently checked it out well i had put it on hold and it just came in and in good timing because i had just finished a book so now it's my so now is the time yeah to it is so hard one. sometimes working in the library i saw another one come in today and i almost checked it out and i'm like no you've got a brand new one sitting at home but i i go and i put it on my want to reads list anyway so as we're wrapping up uh, i was just going to throw you a couple questions what are your go-to genres when you start reading my go-to genres are absolutely um, 
fantasy is my biggest one. Okay. Fantasy is my bread and butter. It's what I started on at a young age. And one of my friends was as big a reader as I was, but her family wasn't as accepting of most books that she wanted to read. And so I would, uh-huh. I would be the friend that would <laughs> hold this book for me. And so I would get to read double the books because I was helping her pass some and we would switch them out. Um, I also like to read something that gives me a surprise twist ending that I can't predict. That you don't see coming. Right. Yes. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a mystery. Sometimes it's a thriller. Sometimes it's um, it's a sci-fi. I feel like I have an issue where a lot of TV shows or movies that I watch, I can kind of predict, oh, this person did it or this is what's going to happen. And so whenever a book can kind of throw me for a loop where I don't know what's going to happen, it's immediately a five out of five. Even if I didn't really like it to begin with, if it blew my mind in the end, absolutely. I'm the same way. I I go through reading seasons. Now, I read a lot of different genres, but I go through seasons where it's almost exclusively a specific genre. And then I will move past that season and not be interested in that genre for a long time again. One of my lasting genres is the mysteries and the whodunits mm-hmm. and stuff. It's definitely not the only lasting genre, but it's one of my favorites. And so I've read so many that I can see things coming. When I watch those kind of TV shows with my husband, I'll go, ooh, ooh, I think I know what happened. And he'll go, don't tell me, don't tell me. Because because a lot of times I do predict. Now, not now always. that you've read enough, you know yeah. the tricks of the trade. You know, I do. I, I know, you know what the to watch general for. formulas that they follow. So when I'm surprised in a book or on a TV show, I'm actually delighted. Unless they just pulled something out of the hat that doesn't even make sense. Right. Then I'm not delighted. Those but, are the kind of books that I recommend. The yeah. ones that surprise me at the end or like a twist coming or the books that give me just a massive hangover. Then you just kind of have to recover I, for a while. Yeah, I need yes, someone I else to experience that. the same emotional damage that I've experienced. <laughs> I can't go through that trauma alone. Right. Someone else has to share this. So what are you currently reading? I just started The Silent Patient. I have gotten maybe three pages in. I don't really know anything about it. I've been very trying to avoid as much information about it as possible since I read um, The Maidens. And I knew that I wanted to read the the other one. So you and I have both done this. We've both read The Maidens. And uh, you are now reading The Silent Patient, mm-hmm. and it's definitely, Silent Patient is on one definitely on my TBR list, because after reading The Maidens, I knew I wanted to read more by, I think his name is Alex Michaelides. Yeah. And I was not even going to pretend to <laughs> know how to pronounce that I'm last name. I'm guessing, based on the spelling, that it's a Greek name, so I'm pronouncing it the way I'm guessing. <laughs> no judgment. That would have been my guess as well. <laughs> But I did like, well, and it had that Greek Gothic feeling. Like a dark academia. You know, that's another one of my regular genres um, is uh, the Gothic fiction-y kind of things. Whether it's a classic or a current Gothic fiction, which I was what I would call the maidens. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that spooky vibe to it without being terrifying. It's not like, okay, you're going to have nightmares from this. Yeah, I I like to You're going to be looking over your shoulder. Having enough sleep is very important to me. And so my book, I'm going to say that I'm currently reading, well, I literally just finished it last night, which is good timing because we have a book club about this title tonight, and it's called The Magpie Murders, and the author's name is Anthony Horowitz. And he is one of those authors that I've been meaning to read. I've heard a lot of people highly recommend his books, and so we decided to read The Magpie Murders, and it's definitely got a lot of layers to it. Have you ever seen the movie Inception? Oh, yeah. I love that movie. 
this book makes me think of that Ooh. movie because there's just kind of so many inside, inside, inside of what's going Interesting. on. Interesting. And there was this one point in the book where they said, "Oh, really? Once you've read the first page, you should know." the answer. And I'm like, nope, I did not. <laughs> Do you feel like you had to kind of restart or spend a lot of time rereading because of those layers on top of each other? I mean, I did. In fact, I'm not necessarily a note taker. I might scribble a little note here and there. Mm -hmm. But this one, I actually wrote down the cast of characters and who they were and, and the part they played, which is a level up from what I typically do. I usually just kind of jump in and, and experience the book. But this time I'm like, okay, I need to keep track of these different moving pieces yeah, and what's wish, going on. I wish that I appreciated all of the like resources that a lot of fantasy book, books put in the beginning of a map and like the cast of characters and where they're from, mm -hmm. because I'll glance at that before I start the book and never look at it again. And then I'll remember at the very end as I'm like going back through, like flipping through the beginning and it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, this would have been helpful, but I'm just too focused on like what's happening at the moment. Right. Like that page exactly. is what is on my mind. And I'm also still, I'm I've actually, I'm very happy about this. I have been trying really hard to get into audiobooks, and Ooh. it's, it's a challenge for me. I mean, really I have for me. loads of friends who that's their bread and butter. And I wanted to like them because I don't have enough actual reading mm -hmm. time in my life and getting into audiobooks will give me more time. And so I think it's just the way my brain processes. I think I'm more visual as far as text is concerned. Yeah. But what I decided to do in my mind to reread some old favorites. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do the audiobook versions of these because I, my mind will wander less. I know what's coming. Yeah. I just still really enjoy it. And I'm hoping by the time I've listened to a few of these basically rereads for me, then my brain will go, okay, let's try something we haven't heard it's before and, and be a little it. more wired. But So I have been uh, re-listening, and well, in this case, because I've only read them before, but listening to the Lord of the Rings series. Oh, yeah. So I, I've listened to The Hobbit, which is really kind of a prequel, and then I listened to the first book, which, of course, is The Fellowship of the Ring, and I've only just begun The Two Towers, the second okay. book in the series. What's great about this is... Of course, I'm listening to these audiobooks through Hoopla, our Hoopla app yeah. at the library. And the thing that I'm loving is Andy Serkis is the reader. And for those who don't know, Andy Serkis is the person who played Gollum. And when my husband heard that this was the reader, he's like, he's not going to do that whole story in Gollum voice. I'm like, of course not. But he really does do a brilliant job of the different voices. He, he has a voice for each character, even though it's a single reader, right. he's got a voice for each character. And I feel like does a really good job of embodying the character. There's some I like more than others, but still I feel like his range on that is really good. And as I've heard from my, Friends who really are into audiobooks, a good narrator will definitely make or break an oh, audiobook. Yeah. I have a really hard time listening to the sound of people's voices sometimes. Yeah. And it's not it's nothing against the voice actor. Right. I just am really good at tuning out voices. I'm really mm -hmm. good at tuning other people out whenever I'm trying to focus on something. Right, so right. if I'm not Which is actively helpful skill thinking, actually. <laughs> it is, it is, but it also uh there's a lot of negativity that to goes it whenever with that, someone's right, like standing exactly. right next to me trying to get my attention and I'm just thing. And they're like waving their hand in front of my face and I'm like, oh my God, how long have you been there? <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, I'm really enjoying it. And, and, and it's actually helpful that it's a super long series because it'll give my brain time to go, okay, maybe audiobooks are something right. we and can be not, comfortable with. It's not fresh information. It's something that you've read enough times that you can exactly sing it in your head. And I can go, ooh, ooh my favorite part's coming up. That kind of thing, you yeah. know, so... Because I have read, I read the series many, many times. It's just been a while. And so I was ready for a reread, but no time to do it. So that's what I decided to do. One of my friends is reading uh, a series that several of uh, our other people in our friend group have read. And they've started releasing graphic audios of one of the series. Oh, nice. Um, And I had never heard of it before. And so I decided to give it a try. And their whole thing is, uh, their tagline is a movie in your mind. And it changed how I feel about audiobooks, but I don't think I could do something that's not necessarily that mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. They won't necessarily have, oh, this person was doing this in the background. They'll have the voice actor for, cause they have different voice actors for each character. For each character. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have them like whispering in the background. They'll have sound effects of like a door opening or like wind coming through. So you're like feeling more in the moment and I've listened to some of those before. And, and what I think is interesting is how sometimes History circles back. Mm -hmm. And so once upon a time, it was all radio dramas. There was no TV. Oh, yeah. My parents love listening to those. They still do every day, every time I go visit them. The Shadow Knows. The Whistler is a big one of theirs. And so when podcasts started becoming more popular, and then I started looking around besides the audiobooks for dramatizations like what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, look, we're back to mm-hmm. radio dramas again. Exactly. And so I love that we have so many ways to consume these stories, whether we're watching a TV show or movie or listening to an audiobook or reading a book or having a dramatization. It's just, you know, or not, or even the nonfiction stuff like podcasts and stuff, really exploring topics and things like that. So I knew that I was really going to enjoy this conversation. So I'm really glad you joined me today. I'm glad you invited me. And uh, I hope that we can revisit some of our favorite books maybe down the road. Oh, I'm sure we'll have many to exchange. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us here today. Um, Please reach out to us at evpl.org with comments and questions, suggestions for topics, books that you think we should have mentioned or honorably mentioned. So give us a call or give us a text or give us an email. And thank you for joining us.